Welcome back to another episode on the Coffee with Craner show. I'm so excited to welcome Diane Rico. She's the CEO and chair of the board of directors at Rico International Group Incorporated located in Lakeshore. It's a manufacturer that's been in Windsor since 1976. It's been around for 44 years. Diane is also a board member on the Windsor-Essex Economic Development Corporation. She also started the Detroit chapter of the Private Directors Association, co-founded that. Um, she's also a University of Windsor graduate and also Rico International donates to many, many events and organizations in the community, uh, including the City of Windsor, uh, Giorgio Debt Leadership Symposium. So I'm very excited to welcome uh, Diane to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Lyndon. <laughs> Absolutely. So every show I start with a question relating to coffee. Diane, where would you say is your favorite place to get coffee? <sighs> Truth be told, it's probably at a nice cafe somewhere in Europe, but <laughs> pre-COVID, my stop was Tim Hortons in Emeryville. Not a, not a fancy location, but uh, great service from someone named Janice every morning. And since COVID started, I've been using my own Keurig at home, so. <laughs> Definitely, uh, we'll have to, on the show, we'll give a shout out to uh, to Janice, the, the barista. <laughs> Uh, where in Europe? You mentioned Europe. Where would where would your mm, favorite place be? I, I mm, that would be a toss up, but I would say some of the best ones were probably in Barcelona. Okay, okay, mm -hmm. very interesting. Coffee's great. It's great wherever you go. Yes, That's um, true. <laughs> exactly. So my my first question here for you, Diane, is um, relating to STEM. When did you first become interested in science, technology, uh, engineering, and mathematics? Yeah. Well, truth be told, um, if I had to, I would have to pick only portion of STEM as my real interest. Um, in school, I loved all kinds of um, subjects, and math was among my favorites, um, more so than say the science and the technology. Um, I'm kind of of an era where. Um, it wasn't as as predominant for women. Um, we didn't have programs like FIRST, which you know I've been involved with for a number of years now as a judge, and and I think is amazing. I think it probably would have uh, brought me to uh, the world of STEM a lot sooner than than life and circumstances have. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 always amazed me, and and I I think what my educators created for me and my family as well is, is created me as a lifelong learner. You know, I love to watch webinars and learn about the new technologies, uh, see what our people are doing, the innovations that they come up with. Um, I think that's just great. So. How would you say you're like graduating from the university of Windsor and in, in, in business, how does that helped you? Um, while, like you're working in the field of STEM, how is graduating in business applied to that? Um, it's good to be honest with you. They, again, going back to the era when I graduated, um, I didn't really know much. I had taken some programming courses in, in first year uh, at a different school. Um, and what I really wished I'd had when I graduated, which I didn't because it wasn't part of the curriculum at the time was Excel, you know, I, that's what I ended up using um, pretty regularly and still continue to use a lot during my career. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the, the instructors gave me a, a broad vision of kind of things that were going on in the world and different areas that we could pursue. And certainly that has been a good foundation to, to where I am today in terms of uh, knowledge and, and the ability to learn how to learn, right? 
So Dan, if you were in a different, you were not involved with Rico, where do you think, what type of career do you think you would, you would be in? Oh goodness. That's a, that's a good one. I haven't thought about it much lately uh, because it seems like a, a, a big leap from this point and this point in my life. Um, I do love travel. I, I had actually hoped to be a travel agent and own a travel agency when I was graduating um, many years ago. Um, but I was working part time for American Express and they were getting in their very first computers. And um, it was called the Sabre system. It was uh, sponsored by American Airlines, I believe, at the time. And I was just amazed by the fact that all these things that used to be manual and handwritten could now be done electronically. And it was so easy. And I was, I remember thinking, this is going to change everything, you know, and obviously it has. Um, so my dreams of owning a travel agency kind of got dashed right around that time when I realized that uh, the way things were done was, was not going to be the way going forward. Very interesting. And things have, have definitely gone in your favor in your, in your role as CEO. Uh, and, and chair of the board of directors. Uh, but moving into your career, I want to talk about a moment in your career that you found very challenging, unexpected, and what did you learn from that moment? Mm. I There are many, obviously. Um, I've been in the role for a long time, but one that came to mind um, as you asked that question was when we made a transition of leadership in one of our divisions, our Concord division, um, I was uh, part of a group and, and the recommendation was that I should travel with the new leader to um, communicate with the customers and be able to uh, let them know that you know everything was okay with this transition so that we didn't create any problems. And so I ended up um, doing things which were very outside my comfort zone. Um, we did a lot of traveling to cities all over the United States. Um, we. Uh, met with people who I'd never met before. Um, I was very um, intimidated because I really am not technical. I have a business degree and was very concerned that the conversation was going to go towards, you know, quality issues or technical issues. And what I learned um, is that I didn't need to be stressed. So many of those suppliers were just really um, happy to actually have the president of their supplier there to say, you know what, if there's anything you need, I'm here, here's my card, how are things going? Um, and you realize people are just people and uh, yeah, they have technical issues and they have things that they want done. Um, and obviously I had that technical person with me um, who, who could answer those questions, but they also wanna know that they care, that you care about them as a customer and that you respect them and you value their business. And uh, that was a really important learning for me. Um, and uh, I also learned that I really am not comfortable driving on really busy tollways. Uh, had a really frightening incident with a rental car in Houston on the uh, Sam Houston tollway. But uh, other than that, it was it was a good trip. So Diane, right there, you mentioned uh, being business minded and having to uh, go. You're in a field that's very technical and filled with science. Um, and, and you mentioned you brought a technical person with you. How have you? kind of diverse yourself into that or um, been able to um, overcome that that gap um, in knowing business and now you're working in, in basically a STEM industry? Yeah, I mean, it's like everything with leadership. You, you're never going to be an expert in everything. So you may as well surround yourself with people who are good at things that you are not as good at 
and rely on them, right? Whether that's finance or the technical side or um, uh, sales and marketing, uh, whatever it is, make sure that you have those people around you and work with them. Um, I know teamwork is 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 a important thing, and I think um, as a client, you're never going to be upset to hear, you know, what I don't, I'm not the expert on this, but I'm going to bring in the expert. Doesn't it doesn't you don't have to be an expert in everything you know to lead. Do you think you need that general knowledge of everything? And if you if you want to be a leader, or what's I, your thoughts on I that? I think it's helpful. I certainly have spent a lot of time over the years um, talking to people, asking questions, and trying to learn um, as much mm -hmm. as I can. You know, I have a very small uh, portion of the knowledge compared to my team, but um, yeah, I mean, there are some fundamental things that you have to get a, a you know familiar with i guess um if you want to be an effective leader it's tough to go in and and make decisions when you don't really understand um all the elements of it very interesting so i, I want to ask in, in 2011 um rico international went under a, a massive corporate change what can you tell us what happened and, and maybe what did you learn from that ex that time yeah we um we probably were having a little bit of hangover from the whole 2008, you know, economic crisis that we went through. Um, and by 2011, things were quite bad for us. Um, we actually lost uh, close to $10 million that year and uh, had to um, sell off about seven of our facilities. Um, we had to permanently lay off uh, over 60 people, I believe. And it was just a really terrible time. Um, we had to do it obviously for the survival of the business. We had kind of grown to a level where um, we couldn't sustain it with sales. And um, yeah, there were just a lot of things that kind of had built up to that point in time. It was a big leap, you know. Um, we, we committed to our lenders that in 90 days we would move our mold division into our facilities in Lakeshore, where we are right now, and co-locate them in a building with our automation division. And they told us after the fact that they were really a little bit skeptical about whether we could actually achieve that. Um, but I really had a truly amazing team around me, and we were able to do it. One of the things I learned about it is that communication is so important. We had sessions with all our employees. Um, but I'll tell you, the rumor mill is rampant. You know, I mean, we had one session in the morning and by the next session, people had already received texts from people outside the organization telling them, oh, this is what I heard and da, da, da. And so we had some really interesting questions through all of those sessions. And, and it was difficult to, to tell people what was happening. Um, probably one of the worst um, points of my career for sure. Um, and. It's one of those things where you say, you know, if you go through that, you never want to see that again, you know. Um, so we got our balance sheet in order and um, and made a specific plan to return to profitability, which we have. So it was it was a really uh, yeah, it was, it was like one of those transformational, you know, kind of near death experiences is, is how I would describe it, you know, where it it changes you forever, um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, wow. we, we got through that, it. That's though. like, yeah. wow! Like having a having to sell off seven different buildings, a huge layoff. 
what are you, what is Rico International doing now to kind of prep for something that may or may not ever happen like that again? Yeah, well, we're we're always paying attention, right, to what's happening, and I think it's not that we weren't paying attention back then, but I think that we were missing some pieces of the puzzle and some information, and so now a lot of our time is spent saying, okay, what's going on out there? How do we need to adapt? How do we need to adjust, right? I mean, this COVID world has created um, a lot of changes for a lot of people and a lot of businesses. And you can just sit back and say, I can't wait for this to be over. Um, and maybe you'll get left behind. Maybe you make it through, you know, um, instead of saying, okay, what do I have to new change to, to adapt? Um, one of the situations that we've started doing is remote um, tryouts. So we have customers in the United States, they couldn't cross the border. And normally they would come over, have lunch and uh, go to a mold tryout, watch the parts being shot and you know buy off on the mold and then go back home again. That wasn't gonna happen through COVID. So we figured out, okay, let's get a GoPro hooked up. Let's use Microsoft Teams. Let's set up a session. And you know, the people actually were like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like. They saved a lot of time and money and travel. I mean, the one guy was saying, I feel like I finally got out of my house. I think it was in quarantine too long. Um, but it really uh, it really is a, a chance to say, OK, that's not going to work. Let's try something else. We've got to adapt. Right. We can't just say, oh, well, we'll just wait for, you know, they need their molds. They need their parts. Um, but we want them to be satisfied. So they had a chance to visually inspect. And and then we ship the parts and everything was good and the molds are gone. So it's a kind of a new way of doing things. Um, but that's part of what you have to do to make sure you don't fall into the trap of just saying, okay, well, things are going to come back to how they were because sometimes they won't. No, very, very good insight. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about um, when I, when I was researching um, Interico International, I noticed that there's uh, a, a big focus on families. Why is this value so important in your organization, having a strong respect for the employees and their families? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm guessing that started with my father and my mother, um, very family focused people um, who were, you know, just instilled that in us, um, probably came from their generations before. If I look to their parents and their, their siblings, um, I certainly can see that strength of family all the way through. Um, but I, I think that in the business and, and why it's been important to me too, is that, you know, I've been a working mother for much of my career as well. And so I appreciate the challenges of trying to keep balance between work life and home life. And when things get out of balance in your life, whether it's work and home or your diet or exercise or lack of it, um, bad things tend to happen. So trying to achieve some balance for people is really important. And I personally, I love knowing what's going on in our team's lives, right? So I've got a team member right now who's in labor and delivery. So I'm so excited for her. But, um, you know, it's, 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 it's those happy moments that they have and the sad moments. And so you know, before COVID, I mean, we were doing family picnics and holiday parties at Christmas time and golf tournaments and all those things. And COVID has kind of put them on pause, you know, for the time being. But um, it's really important, I think, that we see each other outside of work a little bit and are able to see each other more as people, um, not just as co-workers all the time. So. 
Yes. Wow. Though, I mean, engagements like that is, is so important. And um, what what other things in the corporate culture at Rico International uh, do you take strike, strong pride in? Mm, I think, you know, the events that we've done are really, really valuable. Um, town halls where we, you know, um, again, before COVID, we were barbecuing steaks a couple times a year for our employees and then having a, a big sit down together. Um, we've got an employee assistance plan, which I think has been a really important feature of our benefits plan that allows people to call and get anonymous help if they are going through something, whether it's uh, a marital issue or um, problems with uh, their children or anything really, legal issues. Those, those plans are pretty wide open. And we've been really adamant uh, as soon as we learned about them and, and put them in uh, many years ago of keeping that in our plan because um, I think it's important that there's a place for people to go and, and get help. Um, because again, if you're out of balance outside of work, it makes it hard for you to be happy and to perform here too. So. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's great that you have all those benefits for, for your employees and they, they feel happy and welcome and uh, engage with your organization. Um, I want to jump over to talking about students and newly graduated students. What advice would you have for them? Um, so let's say there's a student and he just started their full-time job. What advice would you share with that student? Well, I guess before starting, I would say don't be afraid to take a lower level position, you know, what they call like working your way up. Um, I think that sometimes we graduate and we think, okay, I, I really, I want to run the place, you know, or I want to be in charge. And um, it takes time. You know, I, I spent a lot of years here, even before I moved into leadership. And um, there's a lot of things I learned along the way um, that uh, were really important that would have probably, I might've missed if I had just jumped right into leadership. Um, but I think that I heard something from a speaker um, during uh, the Automotive News Women uh, event that I participated in last week. Her name is Carla Harris, and she's with Morgan Stanley, an amazing speaker. If you can find something of hers on YouTube, it's worth watching. But she talked about perception, about how important it is that you might have a certain capability or strength, but if people don't perceive you to have that, it's it's not going to help you very much. Um, and I'm not suggesting you go bragging about all the things you've done, but I think it's important that you make sure that you make people aware of their perceptions, that they're, or ensure that their perception of you reflects what you want it to perceive, what, the, what you want them to perceive. For example, she said, you know, make a list of, of the three, three adjectives that describe the organization that you're part of, that you know that they value, that they think are important. And then look inside at your own strengths and capabilities and see where they overlap and make sure that you spend time demonstrating that you have those capabilities, that you bring those strengths to the, to the team. Because it's great to say, for example, I'm an amazing speaker, but if there's no speaking role that you're participating in or it's not important, it's it, it won't be perceived as all that valuable. So I just thought that was pretty cool. 
And obviously it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and listening. I mean, I think what you're doing, Lyndon, is fantastic. Asking questions. I mean, there's so much you can learn from other people. I think um, every networking event I've ever been to, um, being able to ask somebody a question and hear what their perspective is on it or what they think um, has educated me so much through my life continues to. So it's a great place to start even when you begin. Wow. Wow. No, that's, that's a, uh... The whole thing about perception, I think, is very interesting, making sure that you know whatever you're doing is, is what you want people to see in you. Wow, that's uh, that's, that's very important. And I, I do want to give a shout out to some people in the comments that are they're saying hello to you. Uh, Tal Sudner uh, says hello. <laughs> Hi, Tal. Um, <laughs> we have uh, Greg Carr. He says, I've worked for Diane for 25 years. Uh, good friend, went to school with your father and all through grade school and high school. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> and then uh, we have Kevin T. McCarthy says killer steaks. Um, <laughs> I think it's barbecue just saying. Like so <laughs> lots of your employees have tuned in today and I, I really appreciate your time, Diane. It was great speaking with you and learning about your career. Thank you. Thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation too. Yes. Thanks so much, Diane. Stay safe and I appreciate you being on here. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye.